Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. What if I told you everything you know about the world is wrong? Dear Lord, what if I told you that all the things I believe to be impossible are in fact very much possible? Ah, reality is not what you think it is. It is so much more complicated fascinating and above all lord is terrifying we're at the fringes of the map and there's more than just dragons in your name i pray amen you've been chatting i don't know maybe for like a couple of hours and you can see that while you've been having this conversation slowly but surely the the, this front dining car has been shutting down for lack of a better term there have been people have been coming around and turning off all the lights uh, until there's just kind of almost, you might describe it as mood lighting, and there's a little kerosene lamp in the center of your table, which is now probably the brightest source of light in this carriage, and any noise is beginning to quieten down until finally you think everyone else might have gone to bed. Oh, well, I don't want to keep you up you know, too long. It seems like it's getting late. I'll return back to my car if you'd like to go that way as well. Uh, I shall escort you and... Uh... Stave off any ruffians that may uh, block our... Um... Oh, who am I kidding? It's a train. Lead on, Macduff. <laughs> uh, Reverend Daniel Mason, but all right. I say jokingly. I knew there was a joke in there somewhere. I knew one was <laughs> hiding. As you get up and leave, you see one of the waitstaff, Gustavo, who is just one of the porters. He has like a, a plate with a little lid on top of it. He's walking just slightly ahead of you. He walks past where you, both of you are staying and towards the back of the train. Both of you retire to your train cars in the night. And, well, would you be doing anything before you fall asleep? I would be just turning to uh, a verse I'm familiar with about what we were talking about to refresh myself on, uh, mm-hmm. you know, what God would really think of somebody like this who does things that are referred to as evil, but for a potentially good purpose. Both of you fall asleep, and both of you, at roughly about the same time, are awoken. It's still dark outside. You're not, when you first wake up, you're not 100% sure why. You just like, you feel like a jolt that drags you forwards, kind of like you were dreaming and then you had that falling sensation. And you realize that that falling sensation wasn't just something internal. The train is coming to a stop. You can feel it. And you you realize now as well, you can hear it. You can hear the of the, the brakes being slammed on. Before either of you are able to do anything about it, the train has come to an almost complete stop. Hmm. I think my first, uh, my first response to that would be irritation. <laughs> sure. 
this is a train. The train is supposed to take you where it's going. It's not yeah. supposed to stop in the middle of the night. Very accurate. Uh, I, I'm going to grumble and roll over. Reverend, would you do anything? I grumble and look out the window to see what caused us to stop. Looking out the window, you can see that at the back end of the train, there are lanterns bobbing. The, the It's a dark night. And uh, there's like a mist, a heavy mist that is laying across the grasslands. But through the mist, you see several lanterns bobbing near the back of the train. I guess we hit something or something. All right. Well, I'm just going to keep setting up and you know keep my head looking out, see if you know there's any problems out because who knows that there's wild animals, people may need help or something. So let's keep an eye out. Eventually. Uh, Reverend, eventually, after like a minute of waiting and just peering out the window, you see another set of lanterns coming out of the distance towards the train. These lanterns kind of jostle and are quite high up. Eventually, you realize, after like a moment, you realize you're looking at a stagecoach. The stagecoach kind of materializes almost like a ghost out of the mist. There are lanterns swinging off it, and you see that the stagecoach has several men on it. You notice the unmistakable appearance of rifles, so you can see that there are men on it and they are armed. They approach the wagon, stop, and then you see people getting off and activity is happening. But you can't, through the mist, you can't really make out exactly what's happening. Then both of you hear the metal clack and slide as one of the storage trains. It is opened. The side door of it is opened. All right, I think that's enough sound for me to get out of bed. I'm gonna pull some pants on and mm-hmm. uh, check the the waistcoat of my uh, the pocket of my waistcoat where my little uh, derringer is. Uh, by the time you probably open the door is when I open the door to go get mm-hmm. you to tell you that I think there's some trouble outside. I just hold a finger up to my lips, nod, and then I, I pull like enough. Uh, handle out of my waistcoat pocket for you to see that there's a firearm there. Uh, all right, but there's men with rifles outside. Just letting you know. Both of you spot in the car that you're in, both of you spot that several doors are already open. And uh, Reverend, you rolled really well. You got four successes. You spot beyond several of the doors are already open. You see that the door for the French soldier, his door is open, and you can see an open rifle case that has no rifle in it. Hmm. I've been in a situation like this before. If the train is being robbed, as I suspect it is, there'll be armed men who'll be moving from car to car. There's a chance that violence may befall us, but no one will be looking for anybody on the roof. And I go to the window. <laughs> you head to the window? It, yeah. So I go into my little room, out the window, and up. Well, Reverend, you watch him do that. Can I assist him? You can if you want. Yeah, absolutely. I can't believe I'm following you into this, but, I mean, better safe than sorry. So, you got no successes. So, mm-hmm. you can either fall out the window... Okay. Or you can get onto the roof, but in your mad scramble, you lose something. I'll make it the Derringer. The Derringer oh, falls it. out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm going to flip for it. All right. Tails, it's the Derringer. Sure. It's heads. 
I fall out of the train. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> Reverend, you grab both of his legs and you heave as hard as you can and you very, very effectively force him out of the train <laughs> and onto the ground. You take, let's call it two points of bashing damage, just a okay. superfluous light knock, but enough to hurt. I hit the ground and immediately roll under the train. Oh, well, that sure. You roll underneath the train. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Reverend, what do you, you you see that? Well, you maybe don't see him roll underneath the. No, you probably do. Yeah, you see him roll underneath the train. What would you like to do? As you're rolling, you hear him say, "I am so sorry." <laughs> Go under, and then I'm going to climb out and try to. Um, I'm going to try to climb on top. You get a success. It almost looks like you did that on purpose. You climb out <laughs> and you climb onto the roof of the train. All right. So one of you is above, one of you is below. What would you like to do from there? I would say both of you now, if you did, uh, you probably didn't get a good view or you didn't see the stagecoach before Edwards, but now you can see the stagecoach. You just see, you don't see armed men, but you do see, like you see the people's feet and legs. On the other hand, Reverend, you peering over can indeed see there are, I would say, five men in total. Two of them are appear to be members of staff. You can see like their smart crayon uniforms. And then the other three are just men in dark suits. Uh, I'm going to find something to hold on to just in case the mm-hmm. train decides to move. Um, and just try to be as quiet as possible and just keep my ears out. But since there's staff there, I'm more confused than worried. Yeah, I'm I'm not too worried about the train starting up with me underneath it because like they take a minute to get going. So I'll have I'll have time to get out from under it if it starts to go. Um but with discretion being the better part of valor and hiding being the better part of discretion. I'm going to bravely continue to hide. Underneath the train, you're pretty well concealed, to be honest. You get a much inferior view of what's happening. You can only see three sets of legs. Two of the people in dark suits are sitting on the stagecoach, while the two staff members and one third person in a dark suit are just kind of standing near the train. You can see those people standing near the train, but you do not know of the people on the stagecoach. The Reverend, you manage to find something to hold on to, maybe like an air vent or something like that. And that offers you enough cover to also hide yourself so you can't be seen. Then both of you, without needing to roll, they're not necessarily being very loud or anything like that, but they're close enough and loud enough that you can hear what they're saying. You hear Miguel, Miguel's voice. He is one of the staff members standing near the train. He he hisses at the other staff member and says, be careful with that, you idiot. What are you doing? You're going to break something. And then you hear the man in the dark suit standing near the train, not on the stagecoach. He says, yes, we must be very, very careful. If there is but a single break, the crayon will be, well, your job is not worth it. Here, let me give you a hand. And then you see the man walk towards, neither of you get enough of a view that you can see something is being loaded into the train. You can hear it sliding in. You can't see what it is, but it seems, whatever it is, it's big and it's heavy. And the man in the suit moves out of view and is obviously helping to load into the train. He speaks again. Mr. 
Zidillo, is it? Yes, Zidillo. Well, I, I trust you understand that this is... Yes, yes, of course, I understand. I understand. There is just a, a simple problem. There is... We weren't expecting this, but the marshal, um, Mr. Maynard, he has a, a, a prisoner of sorts. Of sorts? What do you mean? Um, there's just in the, in, the front, in the front storage car, there's a, a man. We've got it under control. We've got it under control. One of the people on the stagecoach calls out to the person not on the stagecoach. Agent Watson, we're, uh, uh, we needed much longer. No, no, of course. You can, you best get going now before anyone sees us. You hear the horses get whipped and then the stagecoach begins to leave. Miguel, through a stuttering voice, says, they're leaving? So it's just you. Yes, it's just me. So long as this remains secret, I should be all that we need. Oh no, but we know. At about that moment, Edwards, you manage to stifle a scream as you feel someone grab you from right behind you. You turn around and you're looking at uh, that French officer. You can see that he's got like face paint on to darken his features so that he can't be seen easily at night. And you see in one of his arms, he's holding a rifle. I (laughs) Uh, immediately trying to take control of the situation, I put on my steeliest face and I show him my uh, <laughs> my my Remington Elliot Derringer and give him a solemn nod like I'm under here on purpose. He puts a finger up to his lips in like a shushing gesture and then he mm-hmm. keeps crawling past you underneath the train. Oh, fuck it. I follow him. <laughs> All right. At about the same time, if the French officer grabs me, I will be confused. <laughs> he has very long arms. <laughs> you also managed to stifle a scream as you were also grabbed from behind. You turn around and you see that woman with the pistol and the whip at her hip. She is currently, she's no longer wearing the petticoat and busset. She's wearing almost what could be described as like a cat suit. Perhaps she's got like a big boofy looking jacket on for warmth, presumably, but you see that she's like the, like she's also got like a hood to what she is wearing. That's kind of like keeping her hair down and in check. She looks like she's, (laughs) it looks like she's in stealth mode (laughs) or something like that. She looks you in the face and says, g'day mate. How are you going? Oh, uh, not well at the moment. And I very, you know, gingerly point towards the other side. I know, it's all exciting, isn't it? I don't think we've been properly introduced. Jeannie Richardson, she says, and she reaches out with a hand. I'm sorry, she's on the train as well? Like on top of, on the roof of the train also? Yeah. I put out my hand and go, Reverend Daniel Mason, it's a pleasure to meet you. Shouldn't we be a little bit quiet? Oh, look, probably, I suppose. Uh, Look, I'm going to be heading over that way. Uh, Look, I understand. I understand how it's going. I just wanted to introduce myself because I feel like, look, there's a lot of animosity around these sorts of things. So I just want you to feel, I just want you to understand that while I see this as a bit of a competition, I don't want you to think that I have uh, any ill will to you or anyone else here. All right. This is just for me. This is just like a, a an activity or a fun job. I suppose, you know, we're all getting paid or whatever. Sorry. But anyway, Sorry, she, says, what? she doesn't listen. She moves off the other side of the train lands on the side where they are loading it just like a bit far away she does so quite stealthily though she does so so stealthily in fact that the french officer and edwards do not notice that she did that uh 
the Reverend is staring just where she left. Oh, Lord. Bless us and keep us. All right. And he just, <laughs> he just goes back down into hiding. Underneath the train, you continue to crawl forwards with that French officer. You get to the point where you're where they are loading it. You can see just one pair of legs. The other two people are on the train, presumably trying to haul it on, whatever it is. The French officer turns around and seems almost a little shocked to see you. He stares at you. He just gives you like kind of a quizzical look, Edwards. I, I'm going to point to myself like, oh, who, me? And then I'll point back the way we came and uh, do like a, like a shruggy face. He points to you and then he points down like you here. Thumbs up. He rolls out onto the other side of the train away from where they're loading the crate on. And you see him just slowly stalking round behind the train. The other pair of legs, Reverend, you can't really, unless you want to get closer, you can't see what's happening anymore. Whatever it is, it's properly onto the train now. And it looks like all the people who were loading it are getting onto the train as well. Ralph, could you flip that coin for me, please? That's a big old tails. Uh, Reverend is going to keep his Methodist ass planted (laughs) and not move at all. The pair of legs, the final pair of legs, Edwards, step up onto the train, and you hear Miguel say, all right, now that it's on, I'll quickly signal so that we can keep moving. Another pair of legs jumps down, and you hear, piercing through the night, a... And then, Reverend, you see it, but obviously, Edwards, you can't see it. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. A just a thumbs up comes out from the front of the train. I'm gonna I'm gonna get out from underneath the train 
Okay. And run to, uh, you know, the, the little platforms between the cars uh, back towards my car and, and get up onto that and try to get back in the train. You, as you're running. Obviously on the opposite side from where all the shit was going down. You just hear scrambling, and you can tell that there are other people about who also are running to get back onto the train. <laughs> what the hell is going on? Reverend, what would you do? Uh, I would like to backpedal towards the closest in-between area as well to try and drop mm-hmm. down and re-enter the car. We're both heading for the same place. Yeah, I, I would think, like, you know, dramatically of landing in the same place and going, oh, hi. Yeah. Reverend, you see silhouettes moving through the darkness. You can't make out anyone, but you see that there are other people who were, like, exploring around the train. It does not seem like this secret was a very good one. You two, plus whoever the fuck else, get back onto the train. As you rush to your cabin, you can see or you hear other doors bang, bang, kind of like slamming shut or probably more gently closing around you. You don't spot whose doors, but you can tell that other doors are being closed. Both of you maybe lock eyes as the train begins to speed up again. You both lock eyes, are standing next to each other, and may interact. Uh, do you just want to go into one of our rooms here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, of All course. Right. What the hell is going on, Mason? I don't know. Uh, the woman with the with the pistol and the axes and the whip and all the other uh, variety of equipment, uh, she tapped my shoulder when we were up there. She was in some type on, of stealth suit. Yes, on the roof. Uh, some sort of very sorry about pushing you out the window, by the way. That was a complete accident. She was in a st- happens all the time. Th- <laughs> Don't give it a second thought. Surprising. Uh, she was in a stealth suit type of thing. Uh, like, and she said it was very peculiar. She said it's a competition. They're getting paid and no hard feelings, which implied that I knew what she was talking about. Do you know what that means? Um, I have the faintest idea. I did run into the, uh, our, <clears throat> our French, uh, military friend underneath the, uh, train, however, and he was armed with his, his rifle. rifle. Yes. Uh, painted up for war. I followed him down along the tracks, and when he realized I was still behind him, he told me to stay. And then he went on ahead. Wait, he was like painted up like he took the... See, this is... We only had enough time to just climb out the window, but she was in a whole other outfit. And he had his rifle and painted for war like they had time to prepare for what was happening. There are people on this train who know things that we don't. And did you hear the, the storage door earlier? Yes, I did. Did they take something? I... I... I'm going to be honest, I'm half thinking I'm still sleeping. Hmm. I pinch him. Ow. Well, there goes that. No. I appreciate your uh, your help there. Thanks. Ow. Well, this leaves the question. Do we retire to our bunks and pretend that this simply didn't happen? Or do we see what's in that cargo car? Oh, well, okay. Oh, let's, let's slow... Slow down ever so slightly, because let's just go back over what we just said. We have military man with rifle painted for war. 
We have mm-hmm. woman with an accessory-filled belt of weapons who is in a stealth suit. Yes, I rather think that will make her stand out quite a bit on the train. I think we'll see her coming. Stealth, stealth suit. Like, stealthy. Like, she shouldn't be seen. Why would you think it would make her more seen? You uh, Describe this stealth suit. All black, yes? Yes. Mm-hmm. Inside of this lushly appointed train with the patterned wallpaper, wainscoting, and lamps? At night, yes. I think she'll stand out more than blend in. All right. Well, time will tell. If we don't see her at all, maybe it worked very well, or she wasn't around. How would we know? <laughs> That's a fair <laughs> point. But anyway, uh, back to what you were saying. There was a lot of people, and they said, again, a competition. Are they trying to go for something? Is something hop onto the train that... And also, in that storage car, isn't there that prisoner guy? Oh, yes. I'd forgotten. It's kind of hard to forget his face. It was not something you forget lightly. Hmm. I don't think going back to sleep and forgetting this is going to happen is going to happen. Uh, no forgetting. And it seemed like they wanted to keep it a secret, which it seems like a terribly kept secret. There was a lot of people moving around. My famous survival instincts are telling me that if all of the mysterious parties involved wish to keep this a secret, and they seem dangerous and prepared, then I'm prepared to let it be a secret. I feel like that may be best. Should we let the marshal know? Hmm. I'm not overly fond of getting involved with law enforcement. I often find they make things more difficult rather than less. How you reckon? How do you think this plays out? Hey, Marshal, while we were climbing above and below the train, uh, we ran into two people armed for a mysterious errand, uh, saying that there was some kind of secret? During the time the train was stopped. Oh, what's that? You're going to question everyone on the train. Jeez, I hope they don't find out where you got this tip. All right, all right, point taken. Point very much taken. I think for the moment we keep our cards close to the vest and see if there's any further reason to uh, be alarmed. Perhaps whatever was happening, whatever clandestine purpose all of these menacing people were up to, has been achieved, and we can simply enjoy a quiet train ride through the Republic of Texas. I mean, yeah. I, I think I have one one more question, though. If someone was on the train coming, like, coming past me, and they just let me be and was friendly and introduced themselves, then someone past you and had a rifle armed for war and you're still alive he could have killed you under the train why did these people just pass us by are these good Mm. people do they seem to have purported themselves as good people would no not necessarily I think I think you and I are currently in the enviable position of being inconsequential I feel like staying that way may be best At least for now. If things get more complicated, we may have to take drastic measures. Hiding won't be enough. We might have to run. But for now, since I have nothing else I can do, I'm going to go back to sleep. We may need it, depending on how the day goes. All right, well, uh, 
I hope you're able to enjoy some sleep. I will be trying to do so as well. If you need me, just just get me. My dear boy, I'm from Chicago. I can sleep through anything. All right. <laughs> I just I turned around and leave. The next morning comes. Both of you presumably wake up. You can hear like a like a bell, dong, 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 which indicates that breakfast is being served. Would you like to head to the front restaurant car? Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of breakfast. I would particularly wait until I hear the door next door open for me to exit. Okay. Because uh, being by myself at the moment doesn't seem ideal. Well, you hear presumably at a certain point. Oh, I assume you mean Edwards, not yes. the French soldier. Yeah. All right, yes. cool. Well, presumably, you hear that door eventually, so would you be good to go then? Just waiting for that other door? Yep. All right. Well, you both head towards the restaurant car together. You are probably among the first people here, and you immediately spot a new person. He's wearing the same suit, so it must be the person who didn't go back with the stagecoach. But there's a man. He's wearing like just a nondescript-ish sort of black suit. He's sitting at a table to himself, although the restaurant car is pretty much empty at this point, so that's not necessarily a difficult feat. He has on his face, he's got kind of like a porcelain half mask almost. It covers like a half- Phantom of the Opera? Yes, no, that's a good way of describing it. Yeah, he's got kind of like a Phantom of the Opera style mask that covers half of his face. It's attached via, he's got like a pair of fake spectacles that obviously physically attached to that mask and then wrap around behind his ears to keep it in place. You can kind of tell just by the edging of it, you can kind of tell that this is Phantom of the Opera style is quite obviously covering some sort of facial scarring or disfigurement of some sort. He's eating with like kind of the manners of high society, but you see that he has kind of almost at the same time, the demeanor of a man who works for a living. If you catch my drift. Both of you can see at his hip, he has a revolver in like a, mm. a hip holster. It's very obvious. Well, it's 1867. Not necessarily unusual, yeah. You feel me walk into your back by accident. Oh, um, <laughs> oh sorry. sorry. Oh, think nothing of it. <clears throat> Was this guy on the train already? Uh, no. Nope. Nope. We should uh, just keep going. Uh, yep. Wise, very wise. Breakfast. Yes. Very hungry. That is why we are walking in this direction. Yes. Most people begin filtering into the restaurant car. Maybe, (laughs) Edwards, you're too focused on this new character to spot this. But Reverend, you notice that as people arrive, not a lot of people seem entirely shocked by this new addition. Miguel is bustling back and forth, keeping all of the wait staff in check and stuff like that. None of the staff, obviously, seem particularly surprised by this. Sir Crown walks in. He seems unperturbed by this new person. Frida Dietrich, unperturbed. The French officer, unperturbed. It gets to the marshal, Maynard, George Maynard. He walks in, takes one look at this new guy, and is like, Who the fuck are you? (laughs) Oh God! <laughs> very loudly and very obviously. He walks over, pulls up a chair, sits down. Well, looks like we got ourselves a newbie round here. Where the hell Where the hell did you come from? Huh? I thought I knew everyone on this damn train. Come on, speak up. 
you can focus on that or you can focus on Dr. Singh sits down next to you. Both of you, because he's sitting down next to you, both of you notice that he's staring at that table with the with the marshal and with the new guy. Who Who's that? Singh says, pointing to the table. Whoever do you mean? Um, I'm pretty sure that's the marshal and uh, someone, someone else. I... <laughs> <laughs> Good response. <laughs> Sing Sing seems a little bit put out by the weird energy at this table, but he kind of like shrugs and then as a porter walks past, he asks he orders a, a an orange juice. Two please. Uh, uh two, yes. Uh, yes, of course. Yes, thanks. <laughs> the three of us just sitting here sipping our <laughs> orange juice, staring at a masked stranger being harangued by a tactless southerner. <laughs> Maynard Maynard gives Maynard has leaned back, has both of his once again, both of his boots on the table. He slams one of the boots down violently and says, You better tell me your name now. He has not given this person a proper opportunity to open up. You best be telling me your name now, son, or I swear to God, I'll be turfing you from this train faster than you could say Kablamo. The man, calmly eating his bacon and eggs, looks up and says, Watson. Agent Daniel Watson. I assume you're a U.S. Marshal? Yes. Well, if you want to keep it that way, you should probably leave. Watson doesn't gesture towards his gun. He doesn't do any sort of actively hostile indication. But both of you watch as under his stare, George Maynard, Marshal George Maynard, melts like he was made of chocolate on a summer's day. Maynard slowly gets to his feet, takes his hat off, puts it, like holding it kind of ringingly in his hands and says, uh, I'm sorry to bother you, sir. I'll, uh, I'll leave you be, of course. He moves to sit down at another table and Agent Watson says, no, leave the car. <laughs> Maynard leaves the restaurant car. <laughs> I go to saying, eh, yes, and that guy. Oh, that's, of course, Agent Watson. <laughs> uh, I, I, I wave a porter over and I say, uh, send another orange juice over to that table as well. Thank you. An orange juice gets set down in front of Watson. Watson looks at it, looks at the porter who brought it over, and the porter, <laughs> out of also maybe out of fear, points to you, Edwards. Uh, Agent Watson picks up the orange juice, gives you like a kind of like a half dismissive cheers sort of thing, and then drinks from it. I, I turn, cock my head, and under under my breath, like, inconsequential. Yes, but... Edwards. In, inconsequential. But merrily so. <laughs> Singh is looking from one of you to the other. He doesn't know what's happening. Merrily? It, all right. And I, I slam my orange juice back and I put it on the table. <laughs> like it was a shot of whiskey. Yep.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.